previously on The Lighthouse. God expects a change in our lives as we surrender to the way of thinking of the Holy Spirit. But what method does the Holy Spirit use to help us to change our minds? It is true, the Word of God. It is it's true, the Word of God. So when thoughts come to your mind that contradicts the Word of God, the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance the truth of the Word of God. So you can use that to counter the lies of the enemy. The Bible says it is the engrafted Word of God that can save our souls. Which means it's the Word of God that is engrafted deep in your heart that can save your soul. Not the Word of God you know in your head. This is why this is very crucial. You know the word engrafted means you take a tree, you implant another one inside. God is saying to you, the engrafted word of God can save your soul. Salvation of the soul only happens through the mind renewer, but also but really through the application of the word of God in our lives. Now, here is today's message. Hello, hello, good day. My name is Davis Bamigboye, and I'm so delighted to have you in church today. Over the past several weeks, we have been looking at the book of Joshua. Joshua has been a beautiful book that the Lord has taught me a lot. One of the things we learned in the book of Joshua was that God wants us to be sanctified. And sanctification is not the same thing as is being parlayed in some of our churches today. Sanctification essentially means to be set apart unto God. It means that you don't consider your life to be ordinary, that you consider yourself to be extraordinary because Christ has paid the price for you. So we looked at Joshua chapter 3 verse 5 last week and that ch chapter of the, of the Bible, that Joshua chapter 3, is essentially talking about the preparation to cross the Jordan. And the instruction that God gave to Joshua to enable him to cross the Jordan. Praise God. And Joshua chapter 3 verse 5 says, Sanctify yourself, as in set yourself apart unto the Lord. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. The Lord will do wonders among you. Joshua told the people that. He said, look, listen, set yourself apart. For God will do wonders among you. We have covered this topic, sanctification, for I think three weeks now. The first week we spoke about the fact that we, are, we have already been made holy 100% in our spirit. That today we are as holy as Jesus is. Why? Because God gave us the spirit of Jesus. Praise God. So sanctification of the spirit is already done. 100% done. We looked at the sanctification of the body. The reason why we have to abstain from sexual defilement. Because God says your body belongs to me. Therefore God wants us to keep our body in holiness praise God then last week I spoke about the sanctified mind beautiful session in my opinion I mean because we look at the tear concept t-e-a-r where t stands for thought e stands for emotions a stands for action and r stands for result and we look at the fact that a believer who is renewing his or her mind is a believer who is uh, who's got a sanctified mind praise God but today I will be looking at the power of a healthy conscience there is a construct within the soul realm that is called a conscience that has the ability to mess you up and if you understand how the conscience conscience is formed or what is what the conscience actually represents it will really help you in the way you walk with the lord praise god let us pray heavenly father i thank you that you are going to speak through my lips 
and that you have given me a mind that is nimble and a heart that understand and a perception in the spirit to hear you speak. Father, I thank you that today, Almighty God, in spite and despite any agenda that may be on ground today, let your will be done. Let your power move mightily to touch your people. I pray, Almighty God, that I will be able to elaborate and expand by the power of the Holy Ghost the words you have given me to share with them. That every one of, the, of them who is listening to this, either later on or right now on the live church, we have an encounter with God to help them to be able to know how to overcome consciousness of guilt of consciousness of fear that they will be able to know how consciousness works and how that actually affects their lives that these ones will be able to take actions that will change their lives lord we thank you lord we give you praise in jesus name we pray praise god all right last week we discussed how to have a sanctified mind and we concluded that sanctification of the mind is really what we call my renewer in fact, we explain that in light of what God has achieved for the believer, there's nothing left for the believer to do than to do. Marinua, if you want your life to be changed, your life to be transformed, what God expects from you is to renew your mind to the truth of what the, the Bible says Christ has already achieved for us. The truth of the matter is, Christianity is the outworking of a christ in worked life. What do I mean by that? It means that you are working out what God has worked in, which means your life is meant to be the outworking of the virtues that Christ has worked in into your life. Most people think that it is by prayer and fasting that we change, but that, that, that is not the truth. The truth of the matter is fasting helps us, prayer helps us, right? Those things are quite helpful because they help us to work with the Lord, to make our journey smoother. But if you pray with the wrong mindset, you are not going to be free. If you fast with the wrong mindset, you are not going to get the result. God wants you to use your mind to allow your mind to be renewed so that you are able to take advantage of what Christ has prepared for you. Let me give you an example. Let's say you are, there's been commissioned a season of prayer and fasting in your church. But the bulk of that prayer is premised on banging the doors of God for something that God already said you have. Then you are praying wrong, you are fasting wrong. Fasting is good, prayer is good. But a lot of the time, if we can just accept what God has done for us and consider them to be true in our lives and begin to live our lives as if those things is really indeed true in our lives, we are going to get quicker results than any other way. In the book of Philemon, chapter 1, verse 6, God used this scripture here to change my life. Philemon, chapter 1, verse 6 says, the communication of your faith, in the KJV version, the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you, in Christ Jesus. Now, let's unpack this beautiful uh, verse quickly. The word communication there is from the Greek word kononia. A kononia in essence means fellowship or partnership or a share in the partnership or intimacy or the proof of fellowship. Essentially, the word kononia is talking about some sort of intercourse that you fellowship with somebody, you are intimate with that person. All right, that's what communication in that sentence, it, it means kononia. 
Now, the word effectual, it, it means active, operative, or powerful. It's from the Greek word energes, which means to be full of energy. Full of energy is active. All right. The word acknowledge in that sentence is the word that is from the Greek word epignosis. And it means to recognize something to be true or the precise and correct knowledge. Now, if you take these three words, these three words that I've tried to, I've gotten the, the biblical meaning of it and apply that back to Philemon chapter 1 verse 6, what are you going to get? The test I have here, which may be on the screen, is this. Your partnership or fellowship with Jesus is made active or powerful or operative when you recognize or have the precise and correct knowledge of every good thing that is already in you by virtue of your being united to Jesus. What this is saying is the way to have effectiveness, the way to become powerful in the kingdom, the way to demonstrate the life of God, the way to bring to life the things which God has done in your life is by acknowledging consider them to be true what god already said is true for you when you don't do that and you engage in spiritual warfare and you are praying this and praying that but you don't acknowledge that you already have those things that god says you have then you are not going to make your faith to be effective for your faith to be effective now remember faith is what overcomes the world our faith is what overcomes the world in order for your faith to be effective you need to acknowledge that you already have those things that god says you have your faith only becomes effective or becomes active or operative or effectual when you acknowledge to be true or uh, uh, when you acknowledge to be true everything that god already says is true about you because you are in jesus it is every good thing in you in christ what God has placed in you in Christ, when you acknowledge those things to be true, the Bible says your faith then becomes effective. All right, praise God, we're going somewhere. So, when you want to renew your mind, you must start from that premise. You must start from the premise that you do have what God says you have, and you can do what God says you can do. But how do we make this work? Well, again, we go back to renewing of the mind. The mind is the vehicle of change. But today, I want to talk about the element of this mind that messes a lot of people up. It's called the area of the conscience. You see, the word conscience, from uh, the, the, the meaning of the word conscience, if we break it down, is con and science, right? Con means doer. Science means knowledge. So, conscience means doer knowledge. Doer knowledge. So, Conscience, by definition in the English dictionary, is defined as a person's moral sense of right or wrong, viewed as acting as a guide to one's behavior. So you see here that the conscience is meant to guide the way you behave, all right, because it, it helps you to define this is right, this is wrong, all right. Okay, that's, it's, it's just an instinctive thing that God has placed in the heart of everyone. So whether somebody is born again or not, they have a conscience, and that conscience tells them this is right, this is wrong. I doubt that even a person like Hitler that killed a lot of people when he first started out uh, before he became in the, the evil person that he became, you know, he has a conscience before that must tell him that which you did is wrong. For example, if you cheated somebody, if you cheated somebody, there's a, something in your heart that will tell you that that behavior is not, is not right. Why? Because God has placed that conscience in the heart of everyone. Obviously, along the way, you can see that conscience you cannot listen to your conscience so much so that it doesn't bother you when you now 
cheated somebody or even killed somebody. But the large, larger proportion of people in the world have got a conscience that is not seared. They know what is right from wrong. And the Bible actually corroborated this. The, the Bible in Romans chapter 2, verse 14 to 15, look at what it says here. It says, for example, whenever people who don't possess the law as their birthright commit sin, it still confirms that a law is present in their conscience. For when they instinctively do what the law requires, that becomes a law to govern them, even though they don't have the Mosaic law. Verse 15, it demonstrates that the requirements of the law are woven into their hearts. They know what is right and wrong, for their conscience validates this law in their heart. Their thoughts correct them in one instance and commend them in another. So what this is saying here is this. Where somebody who don't even have the laws of Moses, you know, who do not have any law whatsoever, when they do what is right, their heart tells them you're right or wrong. wrong. When they do something that is wrong, their heart tells them, no, that is wrong, that is right. You know why? Their heart is becomes a judge that tells them what they've done right is right, what they've done wrong is wrong. Even though they're they not under the laws of God. Why is that? Because It was because <laughs> the law of right and wrong is woven into the heart of every person. Since after the fall of Adam, in the book of Genesis chapter 3, verse 22, God said, man now has become like one of us, knowing good and evil and blessing and calamity that's what the bible says god says god himself said since adam has fallen he has become like one of us he can judge right from wrong so that that is when the birth of the moral conscience was born everyone therefore born into the world after the fall of adam has this conscience that says what you've done is right what you've done what you've done here is wrong that becomes the judge that is judging them Okay, let's go. That's, that's interesting. Alright, so we now know that everybody has a conscience. That conscience it will tell you what, you what you've done is right, what you've done is wrong. Okay, praise God. So we all have a conscience. But how do you have a healthy conscience? Okay, let's go back. Let's back. Before, we, before I define that, let's take a step back. I want to talk about the conscience in a moment. You see, the conscience, I spoke to you about it being doer knowledge. Or you might consider, consider it to be doer perspective which means two perspective the way to look to understand it is this your conscience is like your two eyes right with your two eyes you can see clearly that is what they call a healthy eye a healthy eye right a, a healthy set of eyes will see clearly but imagine one eye is not looking so good or it doesn't seem to work very well you won't be able to see clearly right that's right so your conscience has that dual perception. One perception is seeing things from the way of God. The other perception is seeing things from the way of your mind. So, but the thing I want to call out is this. If you are born again, you're a child of God, God has given you what we call a new heart. In Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 26, the Bible says, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. A heart of stone is a hardened heart, a heart that is not responsive to the word of God. A heart of flesh is a heart that is responsive to the leading of God. Praise God. God hears a prophesy in the book of Ezekiel that I will give you a new spirit and I will give you a new heart. So from this we see that the heart and the spirit are not the same. The spirit of, pers of a person is where the Holy Ghost comes into right, to give you the new life. 
the heart is the interface between the spirit and the soul right now if you're in in, in, the, in, the, in the church in the live church or you're watching this on a video you should see a, a picture that shows you the spirit the heart the soul the brain and the body and why did i do that it is i want to try and explain to you the location of the heart as you can see on the screen on the left hand side is a spirit followed by the heart followed by the soul followed by the brain and followed by the body so if you are listening to this on the podcast it should you moving from left to right is the spirit the heart the soul the brain and the body okay the spirit is where the where the holy spirit comes into is called the holy of holies and that's and, and remember when i shared on i think two weeks ago when i spoke about the fact that we have been made holy i did mention the fact that we are not the holy of holies i'm talking about that in our spirit we are the holy of holies of god in our spirit god came god came into our spirit to come and dwell in there when is when in the book of ezekiel he says i will give you a new heart and a new spirit it is at the at when we became born again god gave us a new spirit and he gave us a new heart all right so but there's a difference between the spirit and the heart the spirit is where the spirit of god comes in to sit in and it is from that point of the spirit that he begins to speak to us but god seeks to speak to us through the heart and then that will flow into the mind and the mind will translate that into the body okay so if you imagine the flow from left to right again the picture should be on the screen from left to right you have the spirit the heart the soul the brain and the body from the spirit god says the truth this the the truth the voice of the spirit of god speaking to you comes through your heart your heart speaks that truth to your mind your mind takes that truth and passes it to your brain all right praise god now you understand the flow now, but the challenge now is, even though we have a new heart, this heart can be persuaded because by two things. Because if you look at this, if you look at this picture again, you have the spirit and the soul, and the heart is in between. Which means the heart has the ability to hear from the spirit, and the heart has the ability to hear from the soul. Okay, which means the heart now therefore can be persuaded by the voice that it chooses to listen to all of the time. The only way to persuade your heart or to change your heart is through repetition what you expose your heart to all of the time takes predominance on your heart that's why the bible says guard your heart with all diligence for out of your heart proceeds the issues of life which means the only way for your life to go in the direction it must go is based on what is the predominant thought process or predominant consciousness of your heart okay so where does a conscience come to play well conscience is the voice of the heart conscience is the voice of the heart okay now we're going somewhere so you've got the spirit of god that is in your spirit yet you have the heart of man or the heart of woman or the heart of a human being you have the soul the conscience now is the voice of the spirit of the heart the voice of the of the heart so when the spirit of god that is in you communicate through his own voice to speak to your heart your heart takes that information and passes that through its own voice now to the soul the soul takes that conversation and passes through its own voice through to the body all right praise god now remember when the voice comes from the spirit your heart has to judge it and if your heart accepts it and believes it 
then the heart passes that information untainted to the to the mind the mind takes that and as the mind meditates on that ponder on that thought the mind would uh, the meditation of, of of the thoughts in your mind will generate emotions in your body all right that emotions will lead you to take actions and the action will take you, lead you to take results but you take action in the physical realm so which means when your mind takes the word the word that is heard from the spirit that is the truth now and your mind also believes that meditate on it it will create positive emotions in your body that will lead you to take positive actions that will lead you to take positive results okay all right so we see now therefore the voice that communicates to your mind is critical and that is the conscience the conscious is the voice of the heart that communicates truth to your mind. But do you know, when that thought also comes into your heart, if the predominant pool on your heart is the soulish realm, the soulish realm will take the truth of God's word now and taint it with the, with the, realm, with the soulish realm viewpoint. And the soul will now take that truth not convoluted and that is believed believed in a lie and the person will act out the lie even though that is not the will of god for you i don't know if that is making sense i know this this might sound a bit theological but it's very important to understand the demarcation between the spirit the heart the soul the brain and the body okay if you want a deep a deeper study of this i have um i think i have a three hours or four hours bible study series that we did sometime last year called the mystery of me the mystery of me it talks about the spirit soul and body and talks about the spirit the soul the body the brain and the and and the body and how you can understand how each one of them con con come together so that you can understand who you are if you need that please you can get a free copy of that from the church send just send your email to light at the lighthouse.org we are going to send you a pack of that and then you can begin to do that study but what i want to get out of this this morning session first is that that your 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 heart has a voice and that voice is called the conscience all right okay praise god okay so i'm going to take a step back now i'm going to take a step back to try and explain where i'm going so as a believer you have a new spirit and you have a new heart that heart has the ability to respond to the word of god the spirit of god is already in you that's where you are holy 100 percent so god gave you the heart a new heart so that you can respond to the truth of what he is telling you so the bible says romans uh, proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 above all guard the affections of your heart what dominates your heart for they affect all that you are pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being of your heart for from there flows the wellspring of life you know this wellspring of life it means it also means the word boundaries or issues and actually it's from the hebrew word yasha and it means seasons <laughs> what this is saying here is that it is out of your heart that flows the seasons of your life it is our hearts not our ages not our circumstances that shape the seasons of our lives if your heart is tender towards god you can live in perpetual springtime if your heart is tender and hears the voice of the spirit as it's flowing through it and pays attention to it and gets the truth that the spirit of god says to it your and that the heart now passes that information to your mind and your mind is renewed after the pattern of the voice of your heart which is based on the truth of the spirit of god then you will live perpetually in springtime of your life because it will produce result for you that is the way god does it truth from god is always communicated from a spirit 
to our heart that passes to the mind and then reflected in the body. That is the way it works. The voice of your heart is your conscience. The heart is a door or the portal between the spirit and the soul. And because your conscience is the voice of your heart, your conscience as a believer actually should be a safe guide for you. But the problem is, if you constantly expose that heart to negativity, if you constantly allow the heart to take information most of the time from the soulish realm, then the truth of the word of God will become dull and you will not be able to hear properly and you will be like somebody who has two sets of eyes but with one of the eyes not seeing clearly. And because one of the eyes not seeing clearly, you're not seeing the true picture as issue as it should be seen. All right. Okay, praise God. Now, if your conscience, however, focuses its own reality on the spiritual reality that is based on the spirit of the word of God, then your conscience is safe and it will lead you in the right direction. And that is how you have a healthy conscience. So I define a healthy conscience thus. You might see it on the screen. A healthy conscience is one that follows and abides by the realities of the new covenant present already in the heart of the believer. The, this heart is established in the righteousness of Jesus imputed to it. So a heart that is established in righteousness is a health will have the voice that is healthy, will have a conscience that is healthy. A guilty conscience, however, is one that follows and abides by the realities of the old covenant, dominated by sin consciousness, a sense of condemnation, and performance-based religious mindedness. Which means if you have guilty conscience, it's because you are looking at yourself, not based on the new covenant realities of the way God sees you now, but you are looking at yourself from the reality of the old covenant. You are looking at yourself from the point of view of the Father. You are a sinner. You are still a sinner. That God doesn't like you. That God is putting punishment in your life. Then you have guilt consciousness. When you, anything you do, you are never doing enough. You are never doing right. Now, a dead conscience is one that follows the dictates of Satan. So a lost man, somebody who hasn't given their life to Jesus Christ, they've got a dead conscience. Even that dead conscience is still able to tell them what they've done is right, what they've done is wrong. All right. Praise God. Alright, so let, let's talk about guilt consciousness. So we've spoken about consciousness. Consciousness essentially is about dual perspective, perception. Which perception are you looking at? God wants you to have a consciousness that is focusing on the truth of who you are now in Jesus. The world system and the enemy wants to focus on who you used to be. Now, if you focus on who you used to be, you are going to produce that same result in your life. Even though that is not what God wants you to produce. Remember the tear concept? Thoughts leads to emotion. Emotion leads to action. Action produces results. So if your predominant thought in your heart is focusing on who you used to be, then your emotions will, be, will follow the pattern of what you used to do. And that will take, make you to take actions along the path of what you used to do and you're going to get the result of what, we, what you used to have. Okay, But God says, don't go that pathway. Let your heart be saturated with the truth of who you now are in Jesus. Let it allow, allow that to simmer, to, to, to um, sediment in your heart to the point where it creates, it, it creates emotions of righteousness in your, in, your, in your emotions and your mind is focus on on that to the point where you you begin to act in tandem with your predominant thought in hebrews chapter 10 verse 1 to 4 the bible says the old system of living under the law presented us with only a faint shadow a crude outline of the reality of the wonderful blessings to come 
even with his steady stream of sacrifices offered year after year, there, there still was nothing that could make our hearts perfect before God. Bible here say, <laughs> in the Old Testament, they had this offering, this sacrifice that they make every year. And every single time they make those sacrifices, their heart is still not perfect. Now, I'm going to show you something he says here. Remember in verse 1 here, he's talking about their heart is not perfect before God. Alright, I'm going to show you something now. How the heart and the consciences are linked together in this same context. Let's go. So, here the Bible says, the sacrifice that they do every year did not make their heart perfect. Why? Verse 2 to 3 says, For if animal sacrifices could once and for all eliminate sin, they would have ceased to be offered and the worshippers would have clean consciences. That's it. So it's saying here, if the sacrifice that they are doing every year has the power to eliminate sin from their lives, then they will have clean consciences. So you see, the first one says, these sacrifices could not make their heart perfect. The other part says, these sacrifices, if it's been, if, if the sacrifices are enough, they will have clean consciences. So you see, it's linking, there's a connection between the heart and the conscience. Again, the conscience is a voice of the heart. Now, under the old covenant, all the sacrifices they are doing could not make their heart perfect and their conscience is clean. Okay. Instead, once was not enough. So by repetitive sacrifice year after year, the worshippers were continually reminded of their sins. So as the more they come to sacrifice, the more they come to put those sacrifices before God, they are reminded they are not, they are not perfect yet. They are reminded their heart is not perfect. They are reminded their conscience can never be clean. They are reminded of their sin, essentially. Their hearts still remain impure. For what power does the blood of bulls and goats have to remove sin's guilt? The Bible says if you are trying to look at life from the old covenant parlance, you're trying to relate to God as if Christ has not come to die for your sins, then you cannot have a heart that is perfect. You cannot have um, a, a consciousness of righteousness. You always have this thought process that says you are not right before God, you are guilty, you are impure. Now the question I've got for you is when you come to the place of prayer with that kind of mindset, how in the world are you going to get a result? If your mind already condemns you when you come into the place of prayer, you can't get a result. It's not because God is holding the, the answers from you. God already made the answers available through the Lord Jesus Christ, but you are not able to lay hold of it because you are killing yourself in your own mind with this guilt consciousness. So, sin consciousness and guilt consciousness are synonymous. They are akin. It's almost like saying sin is the root, guilt is the fruit. Alright, and that's why in Romans chapter 8 verse 1, the Bible says, There's therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. If you read that scripture, Romans 8 1, in another transition, it says, There's no adjudging guilty, those who are in Christ Jesus. So which means, there's no, um, there's no sin consciousness in your life. Therefore, there's no need for you to be guilty of sin. There's no need for you to have condemnation ruling your life if you are in Christ Jesus. But if you are allow yourself to be to to model your life according to the Old Testament laws, if you are, allow yourself to to look at life only from the point of view of the laws of Moses, like, like as if the Old Covenant is still prevalent in your life today, then you will you will have the following things. Number one, you will not have a perfect heart, or you will have impure heart. You will not have you you will not have um, 
a clean conscience which means you have guilt consciousness then you are going to be so sin conscious and you're going to be reminded of your sins all of it all of the time now when you come to the place of prayer with this mindset you cannot get answers answers to your prayers not because again god is holding the prayers uh, the answers is because you are not able to have faith to lay hold of the prayers that it's already been answered because you are judging yourself the way god has not judged you okay now let's look at righteousness consciousness before I go, I want to give you an example that will that will drive home this point. When we talk about consciousness, you know, we're talking about an awareness. Again, conscience conscience is doer perception or doer knowledge. What is the predominant perception of your life? Are you looking at yourself with the eyes of God? Are you looking at yourself with the eyes of man? If you're looking at yourself with the eyes of the way you used to be, that consciousness will dominate your life. Okay, if you're looking at it from the way God sees you, that consciousness will dominate your life. Okay, so consciousness is important because what is con- what you are conscious of in this life is what dominates your life. Your life produces result based on what is most what is predominant at the core of your heart. Let me give you an example. If you want to buy a Jaguar, I love Jaguar. I used to have a Jaguar as a car. I love Jaguar. Now let's say for example you want to buy a Jaguar car. The moment you make a decision to buy a Jaguar car, guess what? Everywhere you go, you start seeing Jaguar. Why is that? Because it has come into the realm of your awareness. It has come into the realm of your consciousness. The question is, was the Jaguar not there before? It was. But because it was not in your consciousness, you don't see it. But the moment you decide to buy a Jaguar, it's not in the in the in your consciousness. It's, it's, it's become something that you are conscious of, you are aware of. You start seeing it everywhere. That is the same way sin consciousness and righteousness consciousness works. If you are constantly thinking about sin, you are thinking sin, you are talking sin, you are staying in an environment where they are talking about your, the old life that you used to have, as if that life has not been eradicated by Jesus, you can never produce fruit, fruitfulness according to God. You can't. Because you are constantly going to be, be aware that you are a sinner, that you're not perfect, that you're not righteous before God. You're constantly going to be saying, oh man, my life is not worth it. Nothing is working in my life. But if you shift your attention to your new identity in Jesus, then you can produce fruits of righteousness. The way you, the, what you are conscious of is what you produce in your life. So the more conscious of you are of your faults and your mistakes, and the sins in your life, you will keep producing more of it. The way to change brothers and sisters is to choose another consciousness. To move from sin consciousness to righteousness consciousness requires you to change your frame of reference, to see yourself the way God sees you. To see yourself the way God sees you. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 8 to 9 and Hebrews chapter 9 verse 13 to 14. I read, the Bible says, Now the Holy Spirit uses the symbol of the pattern of worship to reveal that the perfect way of holiness had not yet been unveiled. For as long as the tabernacle stood, it was an illustration that pointed to our present time of fulfillment, demonstrating that offerings and animal sacrifices had failed to perfectly cleanse the conscience of the worshipper. The Bible here says that the way of the Old Testament, all right, the way of worship of the Old Testament, the way of making people clean in the way in the, in the Old Testament, I, in the in the previous one of the previous session, I spoke about the fact that for them to be clean, they have to sprinkle blood upon them, they have to wash their clothes. Bible says, as long as they are doing this, the Bible is saying to us, listen, that way is not perfect. The, the right way, the way of the permanent way of 
being right with God has not been established. Okay, that's what this one is saying. Under the old covenant, the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of an ephah were sprinkled on those who were defiled and effectively cleansed them outwardly from their ceremonial impurities. The Bible says in order for them to be cleansed, they have to sprinkle the blood upon them, all right, and that will cleanse them outwardly to be able to stand before God. But it doesn't clean them inside. Remember, their hearts are impure. They are imperfect. Their conscience is telling them they are not pure before God. Bible now says, yet how much more will the sacred blood of the Messiah thoroughly cleanse our conscience? Because now we are in Christ Jesus. From the point of view of God, we are meant to have a perfect conscience. We are meant to have consciences that are cleansed. Why? Because by the power of the eternal spirit, he has offered himself to God as the perfect sacrifices that now frees us from our dead works to worship and serve the living God. So those who regulate their lives by the realities of the new covenant, what are you going to get? You're going to have clean consciences and you are free from dead works. You are free from the need to, to secure right standing with God by performance. Praise God. The Bible here says that if the ashes of an ephah can effectively cleanse you, cleanse the people of the Old Testament from outward impurities, how much more would the blood of Jesus Christ give you a healthy conscience before God? You know, quickly, I'll talk about this, this uh, ashes of an ephah. I will still dedicate a, 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 a big sermon to it in the future, but I want to tell you something quickly about the ashes of an ephah. The ashes of, the ashes of an ephah really refers, refers to, sorry, refers to uh, the fact that when somebody touched a dead body, they become un unclean. You know, for them to be purified, they become unclean for seven days. The Bible talks about this sacrifice that God ordained that they will bring this ephah, the red ephah, and it will be burnt, and the ashes of that ephah will be put in a in a jar. And therefore, when somebody who is unclean by touching the dead body comes around to be cleansed, they will take the the water of the water of and mix the uh, the ashes with water and sprinkle on that person and that person will become clean now the bible is not making an illustration for you and saying if somebody who is unclean who has touched a dead body under the old covenant becomes clean outwardly at least right by sprinkling the ashes of an ephah on him on, on that person how could you say you cannot have a healthy conscience when the spirit of god has made the blood of jesus christ to be sprinkled over you there's a sprinkling of the blood of Jesus. In fact, there's an immersion of the blood of, Je of you being immersed in the blood of Jesus entirely, which should make your conscience to be clean. But God is saying to you here, you should have a healthy conscience because you should remember that my blood does more than the ashes of an ephah could do. Praise God. The ashes of an ephah cannot do beyond making people clean outwardly. But the blood of Jesus Christ, who offered himself through the eternal spirit, has made you cleanse in and out. Praise God forevermore. So you are meant to have a healthy conscience. Now, but then what happens? What happens if your conscience becomes defiled because you have done something that you are not meant to do? Let's say, for example, um, you made a mistake of, of um, maybe you want to do your tax <laughs> and you start to doctor the books. And your conscience begins to tell you that is not the way. Remember, whether you're born again or not, you have conscience that will tell you right or wrong. How should you address guilt consciousness or a consciousness that tries to 
take you over that is not based on the reality of the word of god i want to talk to you about what the holy spirit does in this instance praise god before we t- you know you know some people think that the holy spirit is the one that convicts the believers of sin when you've done something wrong you will just convict you and condemn you and say you're a sinner nothing could be further from the truth in john chapter 16 verse 7 to 9 the bible says and when he comes jesus christ is talking about the holy spirit now and when he comes he will expose sin and prove that the world is wrong about god's righteousness and his judgment sin because they refuse to believe in who i am god's righteousness because i'm going back to the father and you will see me no longer and judgment because the ruler of this dark world has already has already received his sentence when you look at this scripture the Holy Spirit says the bible says the holy spirit convicts the world of sin are you of the world of course not the bible says we are in the world but we are not of the world we are in the world but we're not of the world so the holy spirit convicts the world of sin why because they refuse to believe that jesus christ is the messiah everyone who stands condemned today in the world stands condemned because they do not believe in the deity in the deity of jesus and in the messiahship of jesus the father is the only one through whom god has saved the world because of that they stand condemned even though their sins have been paid for by by the blood of jesus christ because the sins of the entire world was paid for when he hung on that cross but they cannot take advantage of that it's not reckoned into their account because they have not made jesus christ their lord and savior the holy spirit convicts the world of sin the holy spirit does not convict the believer of sin what does he do what does he do let's look at what the bible says the bible says in romans chapter 8 verse 34 the bible says who then is left to condemn us certainly not jesus the anointed one now if jesus christ does not condemn you certainly the holy spirit cannot condemn you praise god so now if the holy spirit does not condemn me what does he do the bible says romans 8 34 romans 8 16 rather the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of god so in the middle of your messes your failure the spirit of god is still telling you you're a child of god that blesses me so much when you try to dodge your tax or you try to cut corners or maybe you, you become you become unfaithful to your wife or you try to cheat in, in the class when you're doing your exams Jesus is not the one condemning you it is the voice of your heart your, the voice of your own heart that is telling you what you've done is wrong you shouldn't be doing that but in the middle of that what is the holy spirit saying the holy spirit is saying to you you're a child of god this is reminding you that you're a child of god why because the moment you are you realize that you're a child of god the moment you realize your identity in christ the moment you realize the value that god placed on you automatically the need to sin or to defy yourself will just flow away the way of god is not struggle it is by coming to an awareness of what is already true of you in your spirit the spirit of god will tell you that you're god's beloved child that you are sanctified and holy that you are righteous that right now in this moment you are living below your privileges it is this realization of your union with jesus of your identity with jesus that will keep you to persist to move forward and get out of the mess that you find yourself in that is where you will do a roundabout a turnaround and say no i cannot do that a prince of god 
does not sow his oats all over the place. A princess of God does not lay about with, with anybody. Do you see where I'm coming from? In the middle of the mess, God reminds you that you're a child of God. God tells you, this is who you are. You are a child of God. He bears witness with your spirit. Now, let's go back to that picture that I shared earlier. The picture of the spirit, the spirit, the heart, the soul, the brain, and the body. Moving from left to right. Now, when you are in the mess, the spirit of God comes to tell you and say, you're a child of God. You're a child of God. You are holy and righteous. You are better than this. You are, you are son of the king. You are daughter of the king. He's saying all those affirmations to your heart to tell you who you are. The voice of your heart, however, is condemning you. He's saying, you shouldn't have done that. Why did you do that? You messed up. Man, God will not love you again. The voice of the, of, the voice of the Spirit of God is flowing to yours, coming from the Spirit of God, telling you, no, God will never leave you nor forsake you. God will still love you. God loves you forever. He is always with you. He's at your right hand. And if you can listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying, you are going to be able to silence the voice of the accusation of your own heart that is condemning you and you are going to not take action to get yourself out of it see if you understand what i'm saying here i'm saying this will go will empower you by the realization of your identity in jesus so that you can take the right action and get out of the mess but if you listen to the voice of your heart that's constantly condemning you guess what is going to happen you are going to go into depression you are going to begin to loathe yourself you're going to be so paralyzed and feel so unworthy then you cannot come into the presence of god let me show you something that will help you as i begin to round up in first john chapter 3 verse 20 the bible says even whenever our hearts make us feel guilty and remind us of our failures we know that god is much greater and more merciful than our conscience and he knows everything there is to know about us. The Bible says, even in the midst of that mess, when you find yourself in there, when the voice of your heart, which is, a, which is your conscience now, is beating you up and beating you up and beating you up, the Bible says the Spirit of God will be telling you, you are a child of God. You are better than this. You are greater than this. You are a child of the King. You are royalty. That will be happening to you. And as you focus on what the Spirit of God is saying, allow your heart to focus on it. You know, you know, your heart has that dual, dual, dual perception. It's listening to the spirit, it's listening to the, to the soul. In the realm of the soul, your heart is condemning you because you've done something that's truly wrong, right? But the spirit of God is telling you of your position in Christ in the middle of that mess. If you allow your heart to listen to the voice of the spirit of God at that point in time, the Bible says what the Holy Spirit of God is going to be telling you is this. When your heart makes you feel guilty, the one that is listening to the voice of the soul when it's making you feel guilty and is reminding you of your failures the bible says we know who are the we the spirit of god in us know that god is much greater and more merciful than our conscience and he knows god knows everything that is to know about us what is the everything that is to know about us that god knows he knows who we are in christ he sees us in Christ. He relates to us in Christ. Praise God. This realization will then change our lives. Once, once we embrace this, that God sees us holy and righteous, irrespective of our behavior, of, of how we've messed up, let me not tell you what's going to happen. Verse 21 says, we will not have a heart that condemns us. The Bible says, my delightfully loved friends, when our hearts don't condemn us, we have a bold freedom to speak face to face with God. Because we have embraced and accepted the way God sees us now, what will happen is this, brothers and sisters, our hearts will no longer condemn us. Now, when our hearts no longer condemn us, what do we have? We cannot go to God 
and speak to him face to face. We can speak to him and say, Daddy, you know what? That behavior, I, I agree, is below the standard of a child of God. I shouldn't have done that. So I'm sorry for doing that. Thank you for helping me through that. Wonderful Holy Spirit, thank you for helping me through this mess. Now, as I choose to take action based on the reality of the truth that you have shown me, of the fact that I am valuable in your sight, or the fact that a prince, a, a royalty like myself cannot behave like that. As I take this action, I'm so thankful that you are there to help me. Praise God. So you're speaking to God now face to face because now you see you're talking based on the reality of the new covenant. Praise God. Now let's look at what then happens. Verse the 21 says we speak to God face to face. Verse 22 says, and whatever we ask of him, we receive. <laughs> Praise God. At this point in time, now whatever you ask of him, you receive. Why? Because you are not being overwhelmed by guilt conscience. You are also not playing down on the things you've done please i hope you understand that you're not saying it doesn't matter i can live my life anyhow no this one of god already told you you are better than that you are bigger than that but it's not condemning you it's trying to bring to your awareness a higher law a higher reality of who you are and and is pushing down this voice that's trying to condemn you because when you feel condemned you 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 will not have boldness to come to god to receive answers to your prayer but once you embrace the way god sees you in the middle of the mess and you say father i just thank you that this is the way you see sees you still see me then what will happen is that you are able to repent repentance means you change your mind instead of making your perception to focus on this you allow your heart to focus on this you so much focus on this so much that it overwhelms you to the point where you then take action and you get yourself out of that mess the bible says well whatever we ask of him we receive why because we keep his commands we receive because we keep his commands okay i'll show you what his commands are look at what it says here verse 23 and these are his commands that we continually place our trust in the name of his son jesus christ and that we keep loving one another just as he has commanded us praise god god says the way to get out of your mess the way to have a healthy conscience is to remember the way god sees you in your heart that the voice of the Spirit of God is going to keep reminding you the, of, of the way God sees you. That if you allow yourself to put trust in the name of Jesus, trust in what he has done, that will empower you to look at your life and say, no, I will not follow the dictates of the mind and I will change my mind based on the realization that I, I now have and I will to walk out of the mess. Praise God. So when you are doing that, you then you are able to walk in love. You're able to walk in love in the middle of the mess. Why? Because the love of God is shared abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, in the middle of your mistakes, trust God. Trust his voice. Trust his views. Trust him to lead you out of that mess. Don't, don't allow your heart to be riddled with guilt so much that you cannot rise up. If you listen to the perception of the heart that is tainted towards the soul, you are going to feel guilty and you won't be able to get out. But you, if you allow your heart to be tainted towards your, the reality of who you are now in Jesus and the voice of God telling you, you will receive information from him that will empower you to get out. So when you receive that information in the middle of the mess, you meditate on it. And as you meditate on it, it will release what? Emotions in your body that will take you to take actions and get you out of the mess. So in the, for the person who is caught in corners with tags, you say, no, I'm a child of God. I can't do that. I can't do that. If you've done it before, if you've, you've caught corners before, just say, Father, I'm sorry. That's, that's something that I, I, I didn't know who I was. So thank you that I will never do that again. And next time you do your tags, don't do it again. If you've caught corners with your wife, let's say you cheated on your wife or your spouse, what should you do? 
you go and ask for forgiveness. You go to her and say, baby, you know what? I'm sorry. I did, that. I did this and did that. Please forgive me. Right? Pray about that carefully. And God We allow. Why are you asking for forgiveness? Because you don't want to have a, a, a conscience that is seared. A conscience that is not responsive to the word of God. So that's why you go ask. And by the way, you've also offended somebody else. You know, you can't have offense in your heart. Having offense in your heart is like holding a thorn, you know, grabbing a thorn in your heart, you know, and therefore that thorn will not allow your heart to, to, to heal. God wants you to have a heart that is that is healed. All right. Praise God forevermore. So if you're a, ch- a child, for example, who is cutting corners in school, maybe you're cheating, just don't do it again. Just say, no, I'm a child of God. I refuse to live like that because God has delivered me. Praise God forevermore. Praise God. The Bible says, verse 24, for all who obey his commands find their lives joined in union with him and he lives and flourishes in them we know and have proof that he constantly lives and flourishes in us by the spirit that he has given us the way to flourish brothers and sisters and to bring forth fruit is to carry this consciousness that he lives in us and once we carry this consciousness we are going to manifest his life Praise God forevermore. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, as a roundup, we reach the goal of fulfilling all the commandments when we love others deeply with a pure heart, a clean conscience, and a sincere faith. You already have the faith of God. Your conscience now is being purged and made clean by the blood of Jesus. And then you have a heart that has been made new. It should be a pure heart. The Bible says everything that God does, really, is so that you can love others deeply. How? With a pure heart with a conscience that is clean and a sincere faith. When you live like that, you are going to be able to bring forth the fruit unto righteousness. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is the last thing I'm going to say as I round up. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24, verse 22 to 24 is called the ultimate put on, put off and put on experience. I'm going to give you as an assignment as you go home. The Bible here says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 says, put off concerning the former conversation again conversation voice voice conversation of the old man the voice of the heart that says you are not righteous and holy and blameless put off that conversation of the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and then you put on the new man which after god is created in righteousness and true holiness the bible here says that there are three things you need to do put off renew your mind put on what are you putting off? You're putting off the way of thinking of the old life. When that dual, dual perception, your conscience is telling you this is who you are in the realm of the soul, I would say put off that conversation. But how do you put it off? You renew the spirit of your mind. You see here, he's talking about the spirit of your mind. Again, if you have that picture up on the screen, the spirit, the heart, the soul, the brain, and the body. You see here that in the, in the middle is a heart, but the heart is spiritual heart. You see, so he's saying here, renew in the spirit of your mind, which means the spiritual part of your mind is what you should focus on. <laughs> this, but what is the spiritual part of your mind? Is the part that listens to the spirit. That part of your heart that is listening to the spirit of God is the spirit part of your heart. So God is saying to you, if you want to produce results in your life, put off, cancel the way of thinking that focus on the way you used to be. But allow your heart to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Essentially, let your heart focus on the new reality of who you are now in Jesus. That you are holy, that you are righteous, that you are blameless, that you are royalty, that you are seated together with Christ in the heavenly places, that you are more than conqueror, that all things are working together for your good. That reality, that reality, God says, let your heart be focused on that. Then the Bible says, then you will be able to do what? Put on the new man. 
you'll be able to now work out the new man. What is this new man? The Bible says the new man is created just like God himself in righteousness and holiness. The Bible says you are truly righteous, you are truly holy in your spirit. But the only way for that to flow out is when you are renewed in the spirit of your mind. When you allow the, the spiritual part of your heart to be so saturated with the reality of who you are in Jesus, then you are going to flow that out. Brothers and sisters, prayer is okay. Fasting is okay. But if we don't renew our minds, if we don't allow our consciousness to be saturated with who we already are in Jesus, we cannot produce results that will, that will bring glory to God. We're just going to be like other people running around, going to church and doing stuff, but we're not seeing results. Salvation or a changed life is not produced by going to church. It's produced by renewing your mind and your heart with the truth of who you already are in Jesus. If you have given your life to Jesus, the most important thing you must do after giving your life to Jesus Christ is to learn to live, to renew your mind and renew your heart. Renew your mind and renew your heart based on the truth of the word of God. Praise God forevermore. I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you. So, for example, today you have been, your life may have been belabored with guilt consciousness. You have been pushed back and forth by, by life. You know, you have done things in the past that uh, has put you in bondage. The enemy is always flogging you and say, it's because you did something 15 years ago. That's the reason why your life is not moving forward. I want to pray with you. I want you to know that the enemy has no hold over your life. The enemy has no hold over your life. In fact, I was reading this scripture in Psalm 139, verse 17 to 18. It was talking about the fact that God has gone into my, my future to prepare my future. And he has gone into my past to heal me of the heart of my past. Which means God is not looking at you with the eyes of the past. The past is the past. Don't let the past hold you in bondage. God has prepared a place for you in the future and he wants you to go there. Remember, this is our month of peace and bliss. So God has placed a future in your, in your front to make your life better. The question is, will you take it? Will you embrace it? Will you like God? Will you want God to help you this morning? If you want that, please, I want you to close your eyes wherever you are. If you can, if you're, not, if you're in a place where you can't do that, please close your eyes as I pray with you. Praise God forevermore. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you because you no longer see this person the way they see themselves. I pray, Almighty God, that as they meditate on the truth shared today, they will, Almighty God, understand the reality of who they are in the spirit. That you want their heart to focus on the spiritual realities because that is how they, they, their lives will be changed. Today, in the name of Jesus Christ, I take authority over that demonic influence. They're trying to put them under bondage. They're trying to play the guilt of the past in their, in their heart. I say to you, take your hands off in the name of Jesus. I decree right now that the person in whom Christ has set free is free indeed. This person who has rise up and needed this change is now healed in their minds by the power of the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus Christ, this person is now set free from the condemnation and the guilt of the enemy. In the name of Jesus Christ, this person right now, oh God, is embracing a healthy conscience and their focus is on you, Father. In the name of Jesus Christ, next time we hear, oh God, we shall hear testimonies and good news from this person who is rising up to and requiring this change in their lives. In the name of Jesus, Father, we thank you for what you are doing. We love you. We give you praise. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we pray. All right, I just want to thank you very much for coming to church today. Again, I will see you next week. Remember, you are blessed and highly favored. If you're led to give to the church, please, you'll see the link online. I just want to thank you all for those of you who have been donating to the church. God bless you, and I'll speak to you another time.
Who stands behind?